Good morning, good morning. Welcome this morning. My name is Chris. I am the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. And if I hadn't had a chance to meet you, if this is your first time, welcome this morning. We're always thrilled uh, when there's a first-time guest. It's a big deal to us when uh, someone is here for the very first time. And so if I hadn't had a chance to meet you, I look forward to meeting you uh, after service. So thank you again for joining us. Well, we're continuing our series called United, and uh, I'm going to kind of kind of lay out and just kind of as way of review, just kind of recap what we've been learning as we've been on this journey together through the book of Ephesians. But before I do, I want to highlight a couple of things. You know, for us, again, we're always looking for ways to serve you in every season of life. And uh, whether it's in Milestone Kids, we've got great environments back there for our kids. Uh, whether it's uh, we've recently, uh, you know, updated our nursing mother's room. We had a room back there that uh, really we were praying you could kind of hear me through the wall, right? And we realized moms that want to go back there, or parents that may be going back there, they want to make sure that they can hear. We've added uh, audio and video in there so you can still be a part of service. We know at times, uh, you know, kids just need a little more room to kind of run around a little bit and just kind of help them. And so, or they're, uh, they are hungry. And so it's time to feed them. And so you can take them back there. So it could be that season. Or you may say, you know, I don't have little kids. Uh, what I really need help with is teenagers. It's like herding cats. Now, I've never really tried to herd cats. But it's an analogy you hear all the time. And so maybe you have teenagers and you're saying, it's like herding cats. And all the parents in here that have teenagers are like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, again, walking with you through the seasons of life is so important for us. And that's why a few times a year we do something uh, where we have these specific retreats. Coming up pretty soon in a few weeks is our fall retreat for our students for them to get away. Now, yeah, they're all pumped up about it. I like it. Now, you may be looking at this and you're now the series, the fall retreat's called Bold. I, I know you can't, mom, dad, you can't understand it. That says bold. We don't make the graphics for you. We make it for them. This is like cool to them. Okay? The only thing that you actually need to be able to read, we made legible for you. The date. Okay? That's all you really care about is when is it? Okay? How do I sign up? You know, you're looking at the, the cool, the kids are like, oh, I like that. It's like vibey. I don't know. Is that a thing that kids say today? Students, you know, you say vibe. I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm coming to this harsh reality that maybe I'm just not cool anymore. I don't know all the, like, lingo, you know. And so it's coming up November 13th and 14th. It's an amazing time. We, uh, it's not going to be uh, like it was in years past where typically when we did fall retreat, you had host homes. And due to COVID and uh, the season that we're currently in, we're not doing host homes, but we still have services on Friday night, all day during Saturday, different activities during the day on Saturday, an evening service Saturday night, and then coming together, they'll be here on a Sunday morning. And I'm just telling you, as a church, there's nothing more impactful than watching a generation that's just met with God, intentionally set aside time to meet with God, and just watching how they really just run after God because of what He's done in their life. And that's really what we all want is we want uh, our students, you want your kids to really grow in a relationship with God. So Fall Retreat, you can sign up for it online. Also, on the way out, they've got a table set up, Alex and the team. On your way out to the left, you can sign up for that. So make sure you do. It's going to be an amazing time. So we're going through this series called United, and uh, we've been looking through the book of Ephesians, going chapter by chapter. And today, we're actually going to continue 
in chapter 5. Now, I know I'm kind of throwing some of you for a loop. You're like, wait a minute, Pastor Chris, you said we were going to do chapter each week. But we really found that what Paul talks about in the second part of chapter 5 is so important. It really needed a weekend all to itself. And so we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5. Open up your Bibles. Verse 31 is where we'll go. And we've been looking at this series. If you're just joining us for the first time, we didn't call it United because that's a cool branding idea. We called it United because there's this overarching theme Paul is communicating when it comes to him longing for us to be united together, united with Christ, growing in our relationship with him and in our relationship with others. And Paul has kind of unpacked these different uh, promises and thoughts through the book of Ephesians. First is this, he talks about unity. This is what I want it to look like. I want you to have unity. And, and in the first couple of chapters, he talks about what that means to us personally. And how we can have a relationship with Jesus. We can grow in our relationship with him. So we understand and he talks about what it looks like to be in Christ and included in Christ. What does it look like to know God? You can actually know him better. And then he goes into this thought and he kind of rounds the corner a little bit. And he starts talking about you're not just saved but you're seated with Christ. There's this strengthening that comes when you're seated with Christ. And then he kind of makes it a little bit more hands-on. It's a little more, uh, a little more hands-on where we start realizing, wait, it's not just see, saved and seated, but there's this a power, there's this equipping that God wants to give us because there's this, uh, there's this plan that he has that he wants to accomplish through the church. And so he's going to accomplish that plan through equipping us and, and empowering us. And then we talked about last week that that empowerment really comes through being filled. We're filled. And so when we get filled and we're built up and we're equipped, so we have all these promises that Paul's talking about. And so today, last week when he talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, there's this ongoing filling. There's this empowerment that we get. And it's no coincidence that the second half of chapter 5 he now talks about family. So today we're going to talk a lot about family and marriage, relationships. The things that really mean the most to us is that. At the end of the day, that's what we're all looking for. And, you know, I was thinking through this. I was preparing for the message. You know, Wendy and I, we've been married this past June 18 years. Okay, uh, we've been together 20 years. We've been friends 24 years. So between 18 and 24 years, I mean, that's a long time. So you get to the place where like she's been in my life longer than she was not in my life. And it's kind of cool. But I started thinking about what's changed over the last 18 to 24 years. Now I'm really going to show my age here. Okay, because I, I started thinking about a few of these things. And this was one of them. This is one of the things. How many of you remember the best part of waking up is. Man, I, she's singing it. I mean, that's a jingle back there. She's on pitch, tone, to, I mean, whatever. Faith was on point. Yeah, Folgers in your cup. You had to go get a can like that, you know? Now, what do you got? You got these machines. You can schedule it. It's, it makes all these noises. It talks to you. It can do it at a certain time, you know? You go to the store, and you just, you know, there's more than just black coffee. You get, like, Frappa, Whippuccino, latte, skinny this with simple that. I'm like, simple syrup? I don't want simple syrup. Give me the real syrup. If I'm going to do syrup, we're going all out. I don't know what simple means, but I don't want it simple. Give me real deal. It's, it's changed, right? You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Here's another thing that changed. So, so dating. 
I can remember early on in marriage, you know, now you got, you, you can get on your TV, you got apps, you know? You know what I'm talking about? You got apps, and you got apps for like, you got Netflix, and you got Hulu, you got, now TVs have apps, you know? And kids are like, yeah, of course they got apps. I got the app on my phone, I got the app on my iPad, I got the app on the TV, we just got apps. You can pull up anything you want on your TV, but I remember when we were dating. I remember when we were married. I know what Friday nights look like. You got to Friday nights real early because you're going to have to stand in line for that new release right outside of. You know what I'm talking about, how many had that blue card? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you had that blue card. Blockbuster. Some of you, you're like, block what? Now, I know what Redbox is. You're like, we don't even do, we don't even do DVDs anymore, you know? It's like, forget Redbox, you know? I just... I go to the app, you know, I just turn that on, you know, you know, and then when you got that call, right, I'm like, sir, um, you've had Die Hard for uh, six weeks now, that'll be $785, I'm like, I could have gone to the premiere for $785, I mean, what's happening, it, it, it just changed, or, or you think about the, the internet, the internet's come a long way, how many have, yeah, how many still have an AOL account, be honest, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. You still got an AOL? Now, I didn't have an AOL account, but here's what I know. I remember. How many of you remember Oregon Trail? Yeah, Oregon Trail. Now you got video games. Video games, are like, they look like real. It's like, is that a real person? You know, kids, I mean, like the hand-eye coordination. They got all these buttons and like, you know, I mean, use Oregon Trail is like little binary stuff. I mean, remember Pong? It was just like a ball that bounced back. You had two lines. I mean, we were just really easy to appease, you know. The Internet has changed, you know. How about dating? Like I remember I used to go like pick Wendy up and we would go hang out and sit and have a conversation, you know. And, you know, I'd call her on the phone, but I did kind of grow up in the season where you had pagers. You know what I'm talking about? A, f- a friend of mine posted, like, they were, they were sweethearts in high school. And she posted, and they've been married, I think, like 17 or 15 years. And I remember this picture because they dated in high school. They are my friends. And Sonny, he had that pager right here, right? But it was backwards, right, where just the clip was out front. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all know, okay? It's, uh, but now it's like you don't just go and have a conversation. You, like, FaceTime each other. It's like, you know, Zoom dating and, like, you know, swipe left and right and swipe up and down and we just doing it just it's it's changed you know but here's another thing that changed over the last 18 to 25 years and this this hurt okay i'm just gonna be real transparent with you it's been a tough go here's the last thing that's changed for me the last 18 to 25 years (laughs) it's been a long time since my cowboys won a super bowl and and my longhorns aren't doing real good either it's been a rough go pray for your pastor it's not a good thing. I was with, I saw Daniel yesterday. I was cheering him on. Razorbacks, they got to win, okay? They got to win. We're excited. The one Razorback fan that we have. Hey, we do it for Jesus. We do it for the one, Lord. We do it for the one. It's like, I'm like, Jesus, do it for my Longhorns. Jesus, do it for the Cowboys. What's happening? God, just touch Dak, Lord. Heal him. Supernatural. Bring him back, Lord. You see, that's all funny and well and good. And a lot's changed over the last 18 to 24 years. When it comes to relationships and, and marriage and dating culturally. But here's, here's one thing that hasn't changed through the years. It's God's picture and plan for marriage and relationship. He's got a plan. And he wants to equip you and help you and empower you. And I get real passionate about it because I want to see you win. And I want to help you whatever season of life you're in. If you're, if you're 
single or you're dating or you're engaged or, or, or you're going, do I want to even get married? You may be in a season where you're like, man, I kind of like how things are going. I'm not sure. Maybe you're single again and it's been a painful season for you and it's been difficult. Or maybe you've been married. Maybe you just got married. Maybe you've been married for years. But here's what I know is that in the season that we're in, especially with COVID-19, there is a massive health implication. It's impacted people. I mean, there's no denying it. I mean, 220,000, I believe, that have passed away from COVID. And so I'm not minimizing the health implications, the people. Wendy just got a text today from someone that we know that they had a relative that passed away. So it's very real. But I think the long-term effect, while not minimizing the health implications, I think the long-term effect of the season that we're in is going to be relational. The, the distance and the isolation is exactly what Adrian was talking about when he, when he led us in that scripture and then prayer. And it, it's the things that we feel and that we experience in a very real way. And we, and we know it to be true, so it's not just anecdotal because when COVID hit, between all three campuses, as we were reaching out and checking on people, 60 to 70% of the prayer requests that we received had to do with marital challenges. Challenges in the marriage, challenges in the family, and it's where we live. And, and Paul knows this. This is why he's saying what he's saying in Ephesians 5. And so he talked last week about being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's this ongoing filling. There's an empowerment that comes. This is how we do what we need to do. But then he goes into, starting in verse 31, family. And this is what he says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. You see, Paul is saying here that at the end of the day, the goal is this, oneness. It's not two separate people coming together and just having their own separate lives cohabitating, but it's that two should become one. God's desire is oneness. God's longing is that you come together as one, and there is something powerful that begins to happen when that happens. In fact, he says this in verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you also must Love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You see, Paul's saying, this is a profound mystery. And, and he says, well, I'm talking about Christ and the church. And you're going, well, okay, are you talking about the church? Are you talking about Jesus? Are you talking about marriage? What, what, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm kind of confused. Yes. We're talking about it all. Because you can't talk about marriage without talking about Christ. You can't talk about marriage without talking about the church. You can't talk about church without talking about Christ. It's all, and that's why he says it's a profound mystery. Here's the mystery. Husbands, love your wife as you love yourself. Man, we love a lot of things, don't we? And, and I, I know myself, when I get dialed into something and I get real excited about it, I'm like all in. People invite me, come do this, come do that. And I always hedge, not because I don't want to do it, not because I don't want to hang out with that person. It's because when I get down into something, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to get all the gear. Because here's the thing, I know. I may not know what I'm doing, but I'm going to look like I know what I'm doing until I know what I'm doing. So I'm going to get all into it. And here's what Paul's saying. Listen, there's nothing wrong with the stuff, but I'm challenging you to love her more than you love the stuff. Now, we all know men that really love the stuff. 
And that's why Paul's saying, it's a mystery. It's got to be God when you start seeing men who start loving their wife more than they love the stuff. Because as men, there's times where we got our stuff too. We got our issues. It's not just the stuff we like doing. We got the stuff and the challenges that we have. We don't always do what we say we're going to do when we say we're going to do it. Sometimes we try to be reliable, and yes, we may work hard and we may provide, but we don't always hit the mark, and it can be challenging for our spouse. But then it says, wives, here's what I want you to do. Respect your husband. It doesn't say respect if he's respectable. It says respect him. Speak to who he's going to be. Speak to who you see him being. I'm not saying that you just minimize that if he's acting foolish and you don't speak up or say anything. Don't misinterpret what Paul's saying. He's saying, but you can start speaking to that man and who you want him to be. And you can start encouraging him. And all of a sudden, that man just feels like, man, I can take on the world because she sees me for who I can be. She sees me for where I'm going. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do this because she believes in me. That's a mystery. Because the truth is, it can be very difficult to speak that truth and that vision to a spouse when you don't see them acting it out and living it out on a consistent basis. The goal is oneness. That's what I want you to focus in on. Paul's saying two become one. Two become one. How do we get there? What does that look like? How do we, how do we end up landing on this area of saying the two will become one? You see, what's your vision for this area of your life? What's your vision for your relationship? What's your vision for your future marriage? You may be in here, you're single, or maybe you're in a relationship, and maybe that relationship is heading towards marriage, maybe it's not. But where do you want to end up? You've got to build with the end in mind. What's your vision for where you're going? You see, when you have vision for something, you prioritize it. And when you prioritize it and you have a vision for it, you'll figure it out. Think about it. We all do it. Every single one of us, not just men, not just women. It, you, want that, you want that hunting camp? You'll figure it out. You want that new bass boat? You'll figure it out. You're like, baby, I got us a bass boat. Us a bass boat? I don't even like fishing. What are you talking about, us? You'll figure it out. Oh, I want to get that new home. Oh, I need that patio. Oh, I need that furniture. I need this decoration. You will figure it out when you have a vision for something. You'll prioritize it and you'll figure it out. What's your vision for this area of your life? My heart for you, our heart for you, is that you gain a vision for this, that you take God's word. That's why we're even doing United the way that we're doing it. Because we want you to be able to take this word and live it out every single day. Not just come and listen on Sunday and be challenged, encouraged, maybe inspired, and then walk away, check done no 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 we i believe you can take this word it will transform you transform your relationship transform your marriage and god will do something amazing in you from the inside out but it starts with this word it starts with taking it and looking over it and allowing god to speak to you through it and you beginning to see here's what it can look like there was a season in my life where even in ministry, I didn't really, I, I had, my aspirations were, be to the, were, were to be the best at what I did. Now, does that mean I don't want to do a good job at what I do? No, I want to. But when that's my aspiration and that's the goal, 
Well, then at a certain point, I'm going to prioritize that and I'm going to hit that. But guess what? Anything else that keeps me from that becomes auxiliary. Well, all of a sudden, I start seeing where the tension lies. And I started realizing, no, 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 I don't want to be famous online. I don't want to be famous in the church world. I don't want to be famous in this or that. I don't want to be famous on social media. I want to be famous in my own home. I want to be a hero in my own home. I want to be the man and the husband I need to be to that cute little Cajun queen right over here on the end. I, I, want, I want to be the man I need to be and the father I need to be to my little girls. And the example that I need to be, I want to be a hero in my own home. But that means I have to have a vision for where I'm going. Because that vision helps me know what to prioritize, what to say yes to, what to say no to, and how to get there. So how do we gain and experience God's plan for marriage? What does it look like? How do we get there? Well, the first thing is this. We've got to clarify the picture of marriage. Clarify what, what does marriage look like? What is the picture that we're working towards? Now, I, I saw a statistic this past week, and talk about blow my mind, okay? Any dads of daughters in here, just buckle up, okay? Average cost of a wedding. Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. Right, just get ready. Average cost of a wedding today. $33,900. I got three little girls. That's $100,000. Y'all better pray for me. I'm like, Lord, I need some help. Open up the heavens. I don't know what's happening. I mean, like, we ain't doing that, girls. I'm sorry. We, we, on the, uh, we on the 339 budget. You know, I don't know what we're doing. You know, it's like, girls, we got, I mean, anyone got a farm? We're just going, that's in now. We're just going, it's like, by the time they get married, it's like getting married on a farm in a field may not be in. I'm like, we still into it because we know somebody who got a field out there. We just can go out there, you know. I know a pastor. He just come do the wedding. Let's go, okay? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a lot. But here's what happens. We get all sorts of ideas for our wedding. You get all sorts of, you got Pinterest board on Pinterest board about what you want it to look like and the picture that you want it to be. And all, but here's the goal, is when you know the picture of what God has for you, my hope for you is you have a greater vision for your marriage than you do for your wedding day. But that's the challenge that we have. We have more vision for what that wedding day is going to look like. That day is one day. That ceremony, just the ceremony, is 30 minutes. You sign a document, boom, you have fun, you dance, you do all the things you do. You, oh, and it's great. And at the end of the day, the day is done. What's the vision you have for your marriage? Where do you want to go and what do you want it to look like beyond that way you have to have a picture. And you get that picture from his word. Biblical marriage, it's supernatural. It's God's design. It's his plan. It's the picture that he has. And like I said earlier, what you have a vision for, you'll move towards. You'll prioritize. But the challenge is this. There's a cultural narratives that we have to fight. There's challenges in marriage. And we have to navigate those challenges. See, because even as I'm talking about marriage... It can be painful for you because of how maybe you grew up and what you experienced when it came to your mom and dad. So marriage is painful. And you're kind of like, ah, I don't know. Maybe because of what you've experienced in relationships prior to now, you're kind of like, I don't know if I ever want to get married. Maybe you've been married before and you're single again and you have the pain of having 
walked out of or left a marriage relationship and now you're going, God, what do I do? And so these cultural narratives that we have to navigate, the only challenge with these cultural narratives, I'm going to give you some of the things that we have to walk through, the challenge you have to walk through is they're not biblical. They're not biblical. And so they challenge us. Like here's one, for example, love yourself. Love yourself. Well, I can't really love someone else unless I really love myself. So there's this toxic culture of self-love. I'm not talking about having a good understanding of who Christ says you are. I'm not talking about not caring for yourself. You should do those things. But culture says, love yourself. Society says, love yourself, love you. And if you love yourself, then you'll be able to love someone else. Let me be self-centered and, and dial into myself. No, 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 we should be Christ-centered. The Bible doesn't say, it sounds good, but the Bible doesn't say, love yourself. It actually says, deny yourself. We don't need more self. I, I know myself. I am selfish by nature, just as a human. But outside of what Paul talks about at the beginning of this chapter, the Holy Spirit, I am like selfish on another level. I'm just going to be real honest with you. I really legitimately think the world should revolve around me. But thank God Jesus works in me because focusing on self doesn't help me love that woman on the end anymore. It's really Jesus in me that allows me to love her the way I love myself, love her, the way Christ, actually, that's the example he gave, the way Christ loved the church. How did Jesus model loving the church? He gave his life. He sacrificed. When, I, when, when Wendy and I do premarital counseling, I tell people this all the time, that word love in, the, in Ephesians 5, same thing in 1 Corinthians, that's agape love. Some of you know this. There's three different types, really four different types of love. That are, that are lined out, but the love that he's talking about there is agape love. And most people can describe agape love, but they actually don't know the definition. You say, well, what's, a, what's, what's uh, unconditional love? Well, it's loving without conditions. That's a good description. The actual definition is loving, expecting nothing in return. That's a little harder for me to do. I'm not real good at that, with, except for with the help of the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's love. It, it's not self-love. It's unconditional love that allows me. But then you have this, this, this cultural narrative that, that you may hear where people will say, well, I, I've just fallen out of love with them. Love's a choice. I can remember a story of a, of a pastor who told this story of a, a young couple. He's a young man. It's literally the day after they got married. He comes in, meets with the pastor, and he tells the pastor, Pastor, I, I don't know if she's the one. This is the day after the wedding. Pastor leans in and goes, she's the one now. <laughs> Go figure it out. Because love is a choice. You don't just, just fall out of love. Just change, But that's the society that we live in. Cancel. Boom, I don't like it. Oh, okay, moving on, moving on, moving on. No, 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 no. It's a choice. I have to choose. And the key to long-term relationship and long-term love and a long-lasting marriage is loving and being connected to your type. You, you got to marry your type. Well, here's the thing. When Wendy and I said I do, she became my type. And every season along the way, guess what? She's my type. Seasons may change. Styles may change. Looks may change. I'll show you, man. I had a real powerful. I should have brought it, man. I thought about it and I forgot. I had a real powerful engagement picture. 
I mean, now remember, okay, we got married in 2002, so you can kind of imagine. I'll just say blonde highlight tips was a thing, okay? I mean, don't, judge, don't judge a brother, okay? I mean, a dark, olive-complected brother with some blonde tips, that look powerful, man. I mean, just, how could she not say yes, all right? I mean, why wouldn't she? A little flavor saver, so passionate, just so fast. I'm going to bring it, I'm going to bring it, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it. It's just got power all over it, okay? Thank God she said yes. Thank God. Seasons change, but guess what? That girl, she's my type. I'm, I'm not letting all these other things, dig, but, but culture says, ah, we just kind of fell out of love. Marriage is the hardest thing you'll do, but it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. The most rewarding. You may have heard this. Uh, if we just had the right house or the right job or the right lifestyle, the right lake house, then, then I would be happy. All this stuff isn't going to satisfy you and make your marriage work. That is a false cultural narrative. It's not even biblical. It's not biblical. It's not going to help you in your relationship or your marriage. Or, or maybe this one. If my kids were better, better behaved, if they listened more, if they did this or that, if they were more athletic, if they were smarter, if they did. The greatest danger to your marriage is idolizing and prioritizing your kids' activities over what they really need, which is seeing you model intimacy for them. But what happens is because family and marriage is so painful because of either what we experienced growing up, we end up trying to give our kids what we didn't have. We didn't have our parents prioritize us. We didn't see our parents show intimacy. So we do everything we can to try and give them all the things we missed out on. And we end up not giving them the very thing they actually need. Seeing us model intimacy and a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with one another. Here's the thought. You put so much time and energy around this season. The season that your kids are actually in your home is the shortest season you will have a relationship with them. Wrap your brain around that. If you really want a relationship that's going to last, don't build around all that time. Now, I'm not talking about you don't instill values and discipline and character. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about building your world around all their activities and not realizing that actually what you want is you want to develop a relationship with them. And you want to model intimacy with Jesus and with each other for them. Because that's what's going to help you as you have a relationship with them far beyond when they're outside of your house. So there's challenges that we walk through. There's stuff that we experience. So, so how can we take and really apply God's word and apply some principles to our life to help us experience? Again, God's plan for marriage and relationships. And, and here's the thing is we have to understand that it's going to take a genuine encounter with God. You can't change your spouse. Stop trying. That's why you're frustrated. That's why you're challenged. And in reality, that's why you're at odds with your spouse. Because you're trying to change them and you can't do that. Only God can impact their heart. So you pray for them. You encourage them. You, you, you keep prioritizing things like spending time together. You keep prioritizing things like coming to church together or whatever it may be. But you can't, it's going to take an encounter with God that transforms who they are. Marriage is the most sanctifying tool that God has given. 
If you think about the scripture, iron sharpens iron. Have you ever seen iron and iron clash? It's not like a massage. Oh, yeah, I love you. It's like sparks flying. You're like, oh, trust me, I know. You should see when we have our heated discussions at home, I'm sure. You all have your moments. We all have them. I have them. Wendy and I have them. But it's a genuine encounter with God when you have an encounter with God. Because you'll start going to God and you start going, Lord, you're like Adam, this woman you gave me. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I knew exactly what you needed. So you start going to God, keep talking. Really, you're complaining. Call it what it is. Talking to God about your spouse. And all of a sudden, God starts talking to you about you. Because he wants to do something inside of you. So, so that's what makes it challenging. But if you will apply that, God, we need an encounter with you. I need you to work. I need you to move. Then you're going to see God begin to work in your marriage and in your relationship. But here's the other thing that you can do. You go first. But that's counterintuitive. What do you mean by going first? I'm, I'm going to give you some examples about going first. Because when you don't go first, you find yourself in a cycle. Well, if they would do this, I would do that. And if they did that, then I would do this. And you're just constantly in this cycle. If they didn't do this and they didn't do that, so I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. And you go round and round and round and round and round. And then you just go, well, we just fell out of love. No, no, no. You got to go first, but that's hard. You want to know why that's hard? Because then you're, you have to be vulnerable. And why that's so hard for so many of us? Because of what so many of us experienced growing up in our families. We have a survival mentality. I don't think we're selfish to be selfish. We're selfish because when you have a survival mentality, the only person you can think of is yourself. Because of how you grew up and how you saw your mom and dad interact. Because of how you grew up and the lack that you had in your relationship with your mom or your dad. And so that ends up being why you do what you do. But if you go first, you break that cycle. Well, what does that look like? How, how can I go first? Here's one. You say, I'm going to treat you this way no matter how you treat me. What's this way? Well, love and respect. That's what he said in verse 31. I'm going to love. It doesn't say love her like you love yourself. If she's lovable. She may not be real lovable sometimes, man. She's giving you the cold shoulder. You're trying to snuggle. And she like, get up off me. You, you love, and you care, and you consider. Wives, it's re respect him. Not if he's respectable. Not if he just did everything you expected him to do, when you expected him to do it, how you expected him to do it. No, I'm going to respect. So, so I'm going to love you regardless. Uh, because I'm going to honor you. What is that? I'm going first. Here, here's another way you can go first. Think about three specific things you admire about your spouse, and then tell them. Some of the things you probably should admire most about your spouse currently may be the things that aggravate you the most about your spouse. But the reason they aggravate you and you don't admire them is because you're viewing through your lens and how it aggravates you rather than appreciating them and recognizing they're a gift to you. Greatest gift God ever gave me next to Jesus is Wendy. And she makes me a better man and a better husband and a better father. But early on in marriage, I had to learn those things. Because Wendy, she's kind of like a little hippie. 
you know, free-flowing, just flyer child, you know, just kind of whatever. You know, we had, like, bead curtain in our doorway. She, like, throw zebra uh, uh, skin up on the wall and be like, yeah, this is all. I'm like, no, I mean, I'm a little more modern, a little clean lines. And she's like, you know, yeah, let's just burn incense. I'm like, cops about to raid this house. They think we ain't burning incense. I'll tell you that right now. You know, Eric's about to come busting down the door with SWAT and be like, what's going on up in here, okay? I'm not, but she, but look, she's taught me so much about enjoying the moment and slowing down and connecting with my girls. But I had to learn to admire that and appreciate that. But to be honest, I had to get past the fact that it aggravated me at first. Because I'm like, man, we ain't getting nothing done. Like, she just wants to go and just frolic and just kind of do whatever. I'm like, no, we got, we, uh, that is not a field of wildflowers. That's weeds, and it needs to get mowed. Now, let's get that done and get on to the next thing. Admire and appreciate, and then tell them. Tell them what you admire about them. Tell them what you appreciate. Here's another one. Be secure enough to offer your spouse what you feel you need. I'm going to give you an example of that. I, I, would, I would come home when the girls were younger, and my mentality is typically like assess and execute. Like I'm going to assess the situation, it's just situational awareness, and then execute. Now the challenge in that is I'm going to execute what I think is the priority. So I'd come in to the house, and I'd go, dishes, boom, tackle the dishes, we're going to win. I'd come in, toys everywhere, tackle the toys, boom, done. I'd come in, clothes everywhere, tackle that, and I'm running around. And she'd be like, baby, can you just help me with the kids? I'm like, help you? Like, I've been running around working all that. What are you talking about? Now I'm frustrated because I just helped her, but she's telling me I'm not helping her. Y'all tracking? Okay. Change the names. All right. And you're like, yeah, this is my life. Well, how did you know that? Because this is what I, and then, look, look, oh, it's about to get better. Watch. I'm about to tell you. Watch. So now she's telling me, help. I'm like, I've been helping. I've been at work all day long, okay, slave and having to deal with folk, and I just come in, and this house is a mess. What have you been doing all day? Yeah, right, right. Now, I only made the mistake of saying that once, okay? But, but look, 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 you think it, you think it, man? You're thinking, oh, she, man, what's she doing all day? I mean, she's like, you get home, take care of these kids. about to have Lord of the Flies up in here. We'll see how you do. Because here's what she's thinking. You're coming home, and you've been out in your business meetings, drinking coffee and talking to people and, like, having conversations with adults, you know, and going to lunch and all that stuff. So she thinks you're out having fun. Men, you feel like you're slaving all day to provide so you can put a house and food on the table, right? Wives... You know, they're at home with the kids. Husbands, you come home, and you're like, what have you been doing all day? One simple phrase helps so much. Because I noticed I was doing those things. I'm getting frustrated. She's getting frustrated. Time out. What's the goal? Oneness. So I keep fighting, but that is not going to lead us to oneness. So I said, okay, what's happening here? Like, I'm trying to help. I feel like I just did all this stuff. I mean, like, I just got home. I've been at work all day long. And now I feel like I just did more work for the last hour and a half. What, she said, here's what would really help me. If you walk in the door and you just said, what can I do to help? Okay, so I came in. I started going, what can I do to help? And one day it may be, can you pick up all the kids' toys? The next day it may be, can you heat up their food? One day it's, hey, their dinner's already in front of them. I need like five minutes like with myself, like without kids. I'm going to the room or the back patio. Can you just watch them while they eat and just talk to them? I can do that. I'm a big boy. It was amazing how it changed every day, but that simple phrase, you know what that, 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 where that came from? 
because she was secure enough to say, here's what I need. But I also had to go, hey, hold on. We're not, we're not hitting here. It's, it's kind of odd. What can I do to help? How, how do we work on this? And that helped. See, that's an example of going first. You can keep trying to fight and butt and get frustrated because she doesn't see it your way and he doesn't see it your way, or you can stop a minute and go, no, 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 we're pursuing oneness. But here's the last thing you could do that, that will help when it comes to pursuing them first is, is love them the way they receive love, not the way you give it. You see, typically we give love the way we receive it. So again, early on in marriage, Wendy and I'd be talking, I'd be like, baby, I love you, I love you. I tell her I love her all the time. She's awesome. She, because if you've ever read the five love languages, I'm words of affirmation. So early on in marriage, she'd, you know, a little frustrated, a little cold shoulder. I'm like, boo, what's going on? She's like, I just feel like you don't love me. I'm like, I don't love you. I literally tell you I love you like a hundred times a day. What are you talking about? She's like, but you don't hold my hand and sit on the couch with me. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, all I got to do is sit on the couch and hold your hand, and that's love? She's like, yes. I was like, give me that hand. Let's go. We just sit here. <laughs> you love? All right, I'm going. All right. You got to sit a little longer than that. But I had to stop a minute and go, wait, wait, wait. I can't just be, keep being fresh. I got to love her the way she needs. But, but that's hard, man, because you got to be intentional about it. And when you have to be intentional about things you're not real good at or comfortable at, it makes you feel vulnerable. And then you, you kind of push away from that because we don't like feeling vulnerable as people, period. But if you're going to win in marriage, you're going to pursue oneness. Guess what? You got to do that. So, so you, you start going first, and you, you recognize it's only an encounter with God that's going to help you apply these things. But here's the last thing that you can do, is you can prioritize going to church and taking next steps together. That's why we encourage, it's amazing, because when you start coming to church, you start putting yourself around other like-minded people that are moving in the same direction. Guess what happens? It's the herd mentality. You start, it's not conformity. But it, you start moving and saying, and you're around people that can encourage you and challenge you, people in the same season as you, people that are a little further than you, that help you along the way. And you start going, oh my gosh, what's happening? This is terrible. And they're going, look, it's okay. This is not the end of the world. Look, we were here. This was real bad. This was a dumpster fire. You're just like, you know, kindling. You know, it's going to be all right. We'll get you there. But that's what happens. That's why I like today. Uh, on Mondays, we've had over the last, I think, five or six weeks, we've had, we have had 40 people in our 301 Next Steps class. Tonight, we have another 301 class starting up this evening, 5 o'clock, right here in this room. It's not too late. If you still want to sign up, you can come. What is Next Steps? It, or what is 301? It's our Next Steps class where you are centered around small groups, building relationships with other people that are in the same season you are, diving into biblical foundations and the values of who we are as Milestone Church. That's why we do all these things, one-on-one, two-on-one, three-on-one, to help you take next steps because it's powerful. You see, the thing that happens is there are so many stories within Milestone Church. In fact, I'm, I'm going to show you one. I'm going I'm to line one out for you that is an actual story, and it's a very real story, but there are stories so similar. Change some of the different topics and issues out. There's so many stories like this where you've got a husband and a wife in their family, it's just kind of imploding. Attorneys are involved. The husband has character challenges and issues. The wife doesn't know what to do. The family's concerned about the situation. The daughter doesn't want to go. 
church. The son is an athlete, plays football in college. Those are the facts. It's a mess. It looks hopeless. Stories like this all the time. Change some of the details, but similar to all this. Here's what's amazing, though. Those are all the facts, but God. But God. Because it's an encounter with God. And all of a sudden, God starts working in the family, and they start going to church together. Just, just going through it. They're not even necessarily getting anything out of it early on, but they start going to church together. He starts leading a small group. The wife doesn't, and she's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. The daughter is starting to go to elevate. The son is actually zooming in to the small group and being apart while he's off at college. You see, something happens when God comes into the middle. How are you prioritizing this area of your life? How is God coming in? But God, he's changing what seems hopeless. 